Welcome to the Ben Beard Show, brought to you by Redcliffe Homes. We're bringing you local business owners to discuss life and business here in the Mesilla Valley. Welcome to the Ben Beard Show. Our guest today is Griselle Chavez with Southwest Abstract and Title. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm happy to be here. My first podcast. Awesome. Well, tell us, who are you? What do you do? Tell us about your business. Okay, so um, my name is Griselle Chavez. I'm a mother of two boys, two uh, very crazy boys. I'm also the president of Southwestern Abstract and Title. I have been for the last four years, uh, but I've worked here almost 10. So that's what I do. My kids and my husband and my job. Awesome. So what? how did you go from working in the business to owning the business? So SWAT has always been owned by basically somebody local. Um, since, since it was established in 1906, it's managed to stay um, under the ownership of local people. So Kevin Davis, who's the prior owner, he retired at 51. Can you believe that? He was wow. super young. So he decided he was ready to retire, and he approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in buying the company from him. Um, I, I first said I wasn't sure, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then later I decided that, that it was a good opportunity for, for us to do that. Well, that was, that was probably smart in, on both sides of that. Smart in saying, uh, let me think about it, and then <laughs> smart to say, yeah, right. let's go ahead and do it. I had my time to think about it, and I really do appreciate the opportunity, and I haven't regretted it since. Good. So how did you get into the business to begin with? So I knew Kevin from my work at the Home Builders Association. I used to work there. Um, I worked there for many years. I was the events director, so I managed the showcase and home and garden and those different things. And so I knew him from that avenue because, you know, I would come to him often and try to sell sponsorships and get him Mm -hmm. involved in different events and committees. So from there, when he had Lola Cunningham retire is when he was looking for a new officer. He again approached me to see if I'd be interested in working at the company. Um, I thought about it then, too. I decided it was a good idea, and I loved it. I mean, I truly, truly loved it ever since I was in college, so I was still pursuing a degree in healthcare, which is the complete opposite of what I do now. But um, I just fell in love with it. I, I feel like in this business, it's not the same thing every day. Even though we have the same routines, and generally the process is the same, you get to meet so many different people, Um, You get to deal with all kinds of circumstances, some really bad ones and some really great ones. You get to see people get into their first home. Sometimes they cry and they're just thrilled. You know, other times, um, unfortunately, some people have to short Other times they cry for other reasons. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we get to be hopefully that supportive end of the process. And by the time they get to us, it's almost over, whether it's good or bad. So That's awesome. Yeah. so what was your biggest obstacle that you had to overcome when you were taking over the business? Oh, yes. So we needed a serious upgrade <laughs> back in 2017. So we've always been, in my opinion, that old school customer service company, you know, where we really want the customer to have a homegrown experience, to be comfortable with us. So they mm-hmm. come back, we take care of them. Um, but the main issue that we had is just our technology was not up to speed in my opinion, I really felt like there was more there for us to take advantage of. So the biggest thing for me that I had to tackle in 2017 is to try to figure out how to get us you know, into the 20th century with our technology. And, and that's what we did. So 
I focused on that. In 2018, we were able to launch the new platform that we have now. It's, it's significantly more secure than any other platform that exists for title for the consumer. So, you know, for example, um, you and I probably have encrypted email. I mean, I know I do. You may. Other people in the industry might have the same. But does the customer? Probably not. They don't. Yeah. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the customer base does not have encrypted email, which is huge. Mm -hmm. You're sharing all types of information yeah. you know, with different parties in the transaction. So what this platform allowed us to do is give the customer that security base, a place where they can message us, they can share things with us, information that is encrypted, it's secure, and it's it's even SOC 2 certified, which if you know you know about technology, you'll understand that's a big deal. Cool. So, so I mean, the security aspect of that is great. Mm -hmm. Do you get a lot of complaints about people having to like click a link to go read their emails? I wouldn't call them complaints, more like little frustrations. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Especially when we first launched it because we were basically or still are the only company that uses it in Doniana County. We were the first company in New Mexico to launch the program. So it was completely new to everybody. So it's frustrating at first because if you need a username and you need a password. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And then you have to remember that the next time you need to log in. Which for most consumers is probably not real free. I mean, they well, but if you move think about every, it, say, three to five years, are they going to remember their right. password from the last time? Right, they're not. And, they're not. Yeah. And, you know, but if you really think about it, how many apps are on your phone that need a username and password? Yeah. The only thing that this doesn't have is Face ID yet. So you can't <laughs> use your Face ID. But eventually, that's probably coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, technology is moving so quickly and it changes... So, it is, so you guys minute. can do like it's it's an app on your phone. Yes, you can, do you can download the app version on your that. phone. Um, cool. You know, the realtor can, the consumer can, anybody can, oh, and you great. can access your your information there. What's really nice too is it has the two factor authentication. So anytime mm -hmm. you try to log in, if you enable that two factor, it'll send you the text code. Okay. So somebody steals your phone, you know, you have two factor. Yep. Um, that'll help you because you don't have they won't have the password. Yep. That's great. That is great. Um, what, for the people that don't know, what does a title company do? So a title company is, is basically like a neutral third party who processes the buyer side and the seller side of a transaction. Uh, we also process refinance transactions for the banks and we issue title insurance. So title insurance seems like it takes kind of the back burner most of the time because Title insurance is just not very well understood. It's not like your homeowner's insurance where you can say, okay, I'll take this much out in insurance and it's going to cover my house in, some, in case something happens. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is your, your, the ownership of your property, which is a little bit more complicated, you know, yeah. to convey or to understand. Um, so most of the time, the customer, what they see is just the closing aspect. Oh, they're the ones that are taking our money. We're going to sign our papers at their office, and then they're going to you know, disperse all the monies to all the different people. So that's generally what people see, and that's the escrow closing portion of what we do. But, of course, title insurance is, is definitely uh, the priority. Well, title, title insurance and the researching the property, right, to make right. sure there's no additional liens or right. issues with that. People like to use the term clear title quite a bit. I don't like the term clear title because I truly feel like there's no perfect title. There's no truly 
clear title. I like to refer to it more as insurable title. You know, what yeah. what do we need to do to make this insurable? You know, what do we what requirement do we need to address? Mm-hmm. You know, what document needs to be filed? What easement agreement needs to be recorded? Okay. What do we need to make this insurable? So when did title companies kind of come into existence? I mean, back in the Wild West, it was just go stake your claim and that was your land, right? Pretty much. Pretty and much. And then after that, then abstracts began to be used. So an abstract, I don't know if you know Mm-mm. what that is, but an abstract is the written history of the property. So every every document that's been recorded, every owner of record that was recorded on an abstract. So it's basically, I should have brought one to show you because it's really cool. I have some in the back. They're just these handwritten old books with almost like a leather binding on them. Oh, yeah. And that was given to the buyer. They would take that to an attorney. An attorney would look at it and give an opinion. So based on that opinion, the buyer would say, okay, I feel comfortable buying it or I don't. And at some point- An opinion point, as to whether that was authentic and true No, an opinion as to whether the title was good, mm-hmm. good enough without risk, right? Okay. But that opinion wasn't supported by anything. That was literally just an attorney's opinion. Just a guy so, looking at some paper and saying, yeah. Right. And there could be right. three of that exact same book if a guy sat and forged sure. that. And, and there's absolutely no liability behind that opinion. Yeah. And that's really the problem. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not that attorneys were doing a bad job or being fraudulent or doing anything, you know. But if the seller like was that. fraudulent, there's no way for the attorney to know that. Sure, sure. Hmm. So title insurance came into play to provide that that um, or to eliminate that risk you know if there is fraud on the chain of title if there is a discrepancy that wasn't picked up then you have your policy to fall back on you can make claims against it up to the value of your policy okay who usually pays for that uh, title insurance is that the seller the buyer generally the seller Okay. In New Mexico, it, it does vary by state as far as what the standards are. Okay. But um, people may not realize this, but I mean, it is negotiable. It, it's not like there's yeah. a statute that says a seller has to pay it. Right. Everything's negotiable, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> Almost everything, except the rates. Yeah. We're a statutory state. So in New Mexico, the title insurance rate is set by the superintendent of insurance. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Every title company has to use the exact same rate. Huh. Okay. And that's the rate to determine how much that insurance is going to cost? Right. So there's a table. So, for example, if you're selling a home for $150,000, there's a set rate for that value. As opposed to $160,000 or... Right. Okay. Right. And there's discounts that, again, are promulgated by the state that determine what type of discount or what amount we're allowed to give. But we have to follow those standards. And those discounts are given based off of different things. There's a there's a bulk discount, like for builders, developers, like yourself. Mm-hmm. And then there's also reissue discounts. So reissue if we have an existing policy, regardless of whether it closed here, there, or somewhere else, mm-hmm. we can issue a discount based on that existing policy. As in like a refinance situation? Right. Refinance okay. situation. A seller, for example, uh, let's say that somebody is getting ready to sell a property. They already have an owner's policy, even if it closed at a different agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new agency or the current agency can still provide a discount based on that one. So kind of a, I buy the house, I think I'm going to move into it, and then, oh, shoot, I get a job out of state. I got to move. I got to sell this thing. I just bought it six months ago. Right. And then the okay. time frame, too, makes a difference. Okay. 
Interesting. So the shorter the time frame, the greater the discount. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that deep sure. dive education into yeah. title insurance. Always it's helpful. not as boring as it seems on the outside. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Well, Griselle, um, what is your favorite thing about living in Las Cruces? Oh, gosh. I have two. Um, I really like that Las Cruces still has that small town feel, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how much it's grown. I've lived here almost my entire life, and it still feels that way to me, like it's a small town. And I love the weather. Yep. Mostly in the spring and summer, but I can tolerate the cold. Yeah. Awesome. So you like the, you like the warmer weather? I do. I prefer that. My yep. bones start to hurt in, in the wintertime. <laughs> yep. I'm with you. I love the weather here. Mm-hmm. Except that it's spring wind. That's not as oh, fun. Oh, I know. I know. We'll just exclude the wind. Yeah. Temperature-wise, it's great, though. Right. So... Well, Griselle, what is your vision for the future of Las Cruces in, say, 5, 10, 20 years? You know, what I'd really like to see is more of our college graduates stay here. I think that's something that has always been an issue in Las Cruces. You know, we have a great university, a wonderful engineering program, um, nursing programs, a bunch of different programs at NMSU. But we find that our, our graduates don't stay here. You know, they find jobs outside of Las Cruces, outside of even New Mexico. And it'd be nice to be able to develop more opportunities for those kids to stay here. I'd like to see my boys hopefully not leave me yeah. to and go too far away. So yeah, that's definitely one. What do you see as the challenges just or that we need to overcome? I think to it's make that it we happen? don't have enough, you know, high dollar opportunities for these kids. Um, some of them get business degrees that are pretty general, right? And they, mm-hmm. they'd like to do something in big business, and there just isn't a lot of that here. Yeah. And although I love, you know, the, the small town um, ideals as far as small businesses go, we still need to have some more of those larger opportunities for those kids to stay home. Yeah. Awesome. If they want to anyway. Some just want to go yeah. explore. Sure. Some of us want to want to get away from home and others yeah. want to stay home. Right. But if they want to come back, it'd be nice to have some more of those job opportunities for them to come back to. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, what is one piece of random trivia that you know about Las Cruces that you so, think other people don't know? So one time I, I handled a closing for a gentleman named David Thomas. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. No. He's an author. He wrote a book about La Posta. Okay. Uh, he gave me a copy, and I just think it's pretty cool that there's all this information in that book that you know, nobody really knows mm-hmm. that pertains to not just the restaurant, but also Las Cruces. It used to be called the Corn Exchange really? and different people would stay there. And I, I read in his book that Ulysses S. Grant, his son stayed at, at the Corn Exchange is what it used to be called back in the day. Huh. And then another funny thing with La Posta, uh, you know, the owners. Yeah. Tom and Jereen. Mm-hmm. So when they were looking for a business opportunity, they were looking at different things they could do before they bought La Posta, and they were offered the chance to buy SWAT. And really? Tom always says, I should have bought SWAT. <laughs> I should have bought the title company, but instead I bought the restaurant. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Those are, those are some cool fun facts. That is. And then, you know, what else is pretty cool is, is SWAT was established in 1906. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty darn old, right? Yeah. The town of Las Cruces was not established until 1906, I mean, 1907. So we were in business a year before the city was even incorporated. What is older than the city of Las Cruces, huh? Yeah, almost older than dirt. (laughs) I know. Wow. So does that make you guys the oldest business 
uh, oldest local business? I don't know. That would be interesting to find out, but we're definitely the oldest title company. Yeah. I think the next one is about 20 years behind us. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, I know. Long, long long-lasting businesses. Yes. That's good. Yes. Thank goodness. Awesome. Um, Well, what are some of your other favorite local businesses? I have a lot of them. Um, I love the tea company that Morgan Schweitzer has in, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love her tea company. I go there all the time. Um, I mean, I just, I just love all these, these homegrown companies. Like, um, your coordinator and I were talking about the earrings I'm wearing today. I got them from a gal named Jasmine who makes these earrings by hand. She, she lives here in Las Cruces. And I mean, I just really like to support local when I can. Yeah. I know that sometimes we don't have a choice and, and we have to outsource certain things, but I, I appreciate the chance to be able to spend some money here when I can. Yeah. Um, you know, we just had some construction done here in the back office and contractors are from Las Cruces and we were lucky enough to buy a new car for the runner this year and we went to a local dealership to buy it. Awesome. Um, so it's nice to support local. I mean, I have a ton of favorite businesses, but awesome. I think it's nice for us to to try to identify some of those local businesses that we can support. For sure. Well, Griselle, how can people get a hold of you or follow you on social media? I'm not that interesting to follow. (laughs) But if you want to follow me, I do have an Instagram. Um, It's mostly pictures of my kids. So if you like, you know, you like to see (laughs) these adorable little boys, then that's mainly what you'll see on my page. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. And you're welcome to reach me at Southwestern Abstract. We have a website. It's uh, SWATLC.com. And then our phone number here is 523-8561. Awesome. Do you guys have a Facebook and Instagram for SWAT? Yes, we do. Awesome. Yes, we do. That one's a little bit more interesting. There you go. <laughs> at least we try to keep it interesting. What is that, at, at Southwestern Abstract? It's or? so the the Facebook is, I believe it's facebook.com slash SWATLC. Okay. And then the Instagram handle is Southwestern Abstract underscore Las Cruces, I think. Cool. Just look us up. You'll find it. We'll go go look you up. Yeah, just Google it. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Grisel. Thank you. Awesome to have you on here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you got something from today's guest. Join us next week on the Ben Beard Show to get to know another one of your favorite local business owners.